episode 76B of the Transporter Room with Erica Vanstone. Erica and Carly and I have been talking about trans inclusion, about roller derby, about Star Trek. There's so much more ahead. Here is part two of our interview. It's just further proof that sports needs a Bechdel test. And in fact, I've kind of built one. Sports sports needs its version of the Allison Bechdel test. And secondly, I want to talk about that a little bit. In a sense, this this kind of like this this perception of roller derby. Um, someone who who I talked to a good deal, as a matter of fact, is a four time champion, Dr. Juniper Simonis, and Juniper talks about this in terms of. In fact, this is a quote from a tweet that Juniper had a few months ago. Interesting how no one, re trans and sports conversations are abounding right now. Interesting how no one, regardless of the view, brings up roller derby unprompted. The sport elitism, even within trans athletes, is strong AF. What, in your mind, what, what do you, I mean, how do you respond to people who, on one hand, would use roller derby as an example of, these trans women dis are destroying sports. But on the other hand, when roller derby clubs say, we, we like the inclusion in our sport, they'll say, well, it's roller derby. It's not, it's not a real sport. How do you answer that? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I first want to say that the contributions that Juniper has made to really pushing back against the WFTDA where we've needed to has has been tremendous. Um, so I want I want to make sure that I'm I'm pointing out that Juniper um, is a trailblazer in roller derby for sure, uh, and so has forced the conversations with within the WFTDA leadership that maybe we weren't ready to have yet, but needed to have. Um, and I think. If your question is around, like, there is a sense of non-reality, right, in some respects to roller derby, because we exist in a way that I think a lot of people, even in normal life, don't necessarily have the opportunity to exist. In a, in a way, it is both a cult and a utopia. Um, so we, um, I think that the space exists as its own thing and we've tried to categorize it as a sport because we really feel like the highest level of athleticism is incredibly important to uh, the athletes who are on the ground doing the work and playing the game but when it comes down to it we're not like any other sport so we do exist in this space of um, nebulousness often because there's no one else like us. So we have yet to be, I think, embraced by a wider sport culture because again, they just don't know what to do with us. Not Did that, that answer your question, Carly? <laughs> well, in a sense, yes, but I wanna clarify where I'm going here. Okay. I'm not saying that roller derby, I believe that I believe that roller derby, yes, it's a different sport, yes, but, but the people who played are athletes because I have yes. a lot of friends who do. Me, I would love to. Because I find the athleticism, I find the fun, and I find the fact that it is that at one level it is a very inclusive sport, but it also embodies a lot of the traditional concepts that I grew up on. You know, that yeah. the idea that 
the idea that we're that we are that we are this team and we'll fight for you know in the sense since we were talking about before we went on air that rollerball mentality we will fight you know you stun we will fight for each other that is very prevalent in roller derby and those are the things that are that teamwork is preached in other sports but rarely shown in roller derby it's mm-hmm. right out front yeah. what i was looking more towards is how do you respond to people who say you shouldn't have a voice in this debate you shouldn't have a voice in this issue because quote you're not a real sport anyway why should you have a voice uh because we're doing the work <laughs> and i think regardless of whether i think this conversation and our um our covid-19 guidelines are a good example of how because we exist on sort of the fringe of sports we're able to to take steps that no other sport has been able to take we're innovating in spaces that other sports only wish they could because they're tied down by all other types of um, oversight mechanisms. The the amazing thing about roller derby and the WFTDA is that um, we are essentially managed by our athletes. Uh, if you look at the NFL or MLB, they've got the league and then they've got the players organization, uh, the players associations. We are both of those things at the same time. And our athletes contribute to our rules. They vote on our rules. They vote on our leadership. So it is a completely community run model uh, where the athletes are consistently and the community is consistently informing how the sport should grow and how the sport should be built. Sports need to pay attention to that. And I think increasingly conversations around safety, around um, capacity are pushing that in certain sports. I think you think of the NFL concussion conversation. There is this very adversarial relationship set up between the NFL and the Players Association when it comes down to talking about player safety. It's almost like a negotiation for how much abuse you'll allow the NFL to put your body through to make a certain amount of money. Within the WFTDA, those are things that we're investing in from the, from the get-go. We're constantly reviewing our rules for safety concerns. We have a concussion program that we were managing before the pandemic. Uh, we, had a concu- we actually had an impact study that we were engaged in before the pandemic so that we could figure out what types of forces were uh, coming up against any athlete that was playing our sport. And I think our model or our complete uh, approach to how sports sh- could and should be run are really important in the conversation for athlete safety, for athlete equity moving forward. And isn't part of the problem in the entire transgender athlete debate that women need to be safe, women need to be protected. And you know, I think about, you know, you mentioned before we started talking about J.C. Cooper, who is also a roller derby uh, competitor, but powerlifts. And she's been fighting and taking uh, USA powerlifting to court. And they insist that, you know, she has to be treated either like a separate category or not compete at all. And I'm just wondering, as a woman who's um, been lucky enough to have been a woman all your life, um, do you feel you need to be protected? 
No, and so I think like the I sat with this for a little bit because I was writing, um, you know, I've been <laughs> writing this piece for like three months and trying to figure <laughs> out like You're how do I? Park. You did a great job. Thanks. Like, how do I qualify this feeling that I'm having, which is that it is first of all primarily white cis women that we are oh. talking about, right? Oh, wait a minute. Absolutely. Well, hold up. Hold no, up. No. Wait a minute. You're, you're going to lose, you're going to lose that Caucasian American express card saying stuff like that. I know, right? <laughs> no, no, I'll, 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 I'll get you a second card on my account. Absolutely. This is a race thing. And, and in Connecticut where we live, people just ignore the fact that two black trans girls were being booed and heckled by majority white audiences, white parents, and now sued. I mean, they're not the subject of a suit, but their names are dragged through the mud in federal court by two white girls and their families and one mixed race girl. And I just gotta say, um, the racism is like as plain as day. Yeah. And I think uh, we've been doing a lot of work on um, trying to trying to distill where white supremacy culture holds us back in roller derby, right? Because it was started by um, a group of incredibly creative and powerful white cis women in Austin, Texas. And the sport has has grown out of that um, impressively, but also accidentally along the way created this uh, these these gates or these exclusion moments where we did not intend to. So I think when I think about the idea of women needing to be protected, it is this um, uh, tenet of white supremacy culture that women are kept in this very, like women are kept on a shelf. And uh, there's this very specific idea of what we're allowed to do with our bodies, what we're allowed to do as we move through the world. And this is just another extension of that. And it, it's, it's internalized misogyny for all of these cis women who are participating in sports who come forward to say, I need to be protected in some way, or I feel unsafe in some way. That's not feminism. That's the opposite of feminism. And like, um, that's what I thought the entire time over the past year, I've heard JK Rowling weigh in on this conversation. Like, uh, it, it's so infuriating to me because it, it's a it perpetuates the system and I don't, I don't understand how other women don't see it, but I understand how other women feel that they are benefiting from it and allow that misogyny to continue and that transphobia to continue. Did I well, answer you your question? Yeah. <laughs> In every way that more than I could ever imagine. And what I love is that you brought up JK Rowling, which brings us to the world of fantasy and the world yes. of science fiction. Oh my gosh. I know JK cuz I know I'm I feel sad in a way for JK Rowling. She went full muggle. She, she did. really really <laughs> did. So she true. went full muggle. But from fantasy that that kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth to something that really cleanses the palate. Um you're a Star Trek fan. Oh, huge Star Trek fan. I actually Which had Which one? this this summer I tried to get a Star Trek show going on our Twitch channel with one of my um one of my fellow announcers. Oh, yeah. wait a minute. You have a Twitch? Well, the okay, WPDA has a I, Twitch. Yes. Okay. I am going to find that. I did not know this. 
as a person who regularly is on some who does some Twitch and starting my own Twitch channel, I want to know. Well, there I you wanna go. Know. I want to find know. this. I got to find this. No, no, we're definitely definitely well, going to be. Well, tell us about your. One. What's your trick? What's yeah, your tell, What's your track? You know what? I think that I like. I hate to be this person, but I really love all of them for completely different reasons. Um, but what I will say is that I'm a Gen Xer, and when I saw Captain Janeway on Voyager, I lost my mind because I had never seen or thought about, you know, when I was growing up, it was assumed we were, the, I was the next generation after my mom's generation who went to work full time. And so it was not a question of whether or not I was going to enter the workforce, but the idea of leadership or running a company or, you know, managing anything was so far removed necessarily from the conversation that I just wanted to be an artist because I was like, that's, that's how I can express myself in a, in a way. Um, but to see Captain, to see Catherine Janeway, to see Kate Mulgrew step on that bridge and to, to, to defy all of the stereotypes about women in positions of leadership. I can remember when I was a kid, my mother was sent to a clinic at her workplace to learn how to be assertive, right? Like this was in the, this was in the early eighties. Like they, they felt that they needed to teach women how to properly be assertive, right? And then you put Captain Janeway on the bridge of Voyager and not only is she vulnerable, but she's confident, she's smart, she is a science officer. Like she just, it was not a place that I had ever seen myself before. And so for that reason, I always feel there's a special place in my heart for her as a character. You know, there were a lot of fans who felt well, you know, Janeway doesn't even get the center seat. She has to sit next to Chakotay. She has like a, a side chair. And I thought, you know, we're more collaborative. We work in teams and we work to bring people together. That's one of the reasons I thought that arrangement actually worked. Although I would have still been okay with her having her yeah. own seat. I know. <laughs> But it, it did work. Um, I, I love Voyager. And there are a lot of like, you know, um, trouble. Yeah. Yes. You're like, oh, I don't want to watch that again. Many problematic but, things. Yes. But, <laughs> um, but, you know, it's it's just it's just so wonderful to have so much Star Trek now to choose from. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm like you. I, I can't pick a favorite child. I couldn't pick a favorite Star Trek because I love them all. Even the bad ones. Even the movies that were... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'll tell you. Even, Dawn even liked Enterprise, and I like Enterprise. I like Enterprise. I do. I do. <laughs> I do, too. I tell you who, like, the character who has impressed me the most, though, who I just, like, if, if, if I had to choose, it would probably be Philippa Giorgio. Because I think her, like, her as a captain, then her as a mirror character, Michelle Yeoh is just... Um, Talk, talking about trailblazing yes. she is literally one of the best martial artists yeah. to ever get on a screen and she manages it she manages it to make it look effortless and an extension of her character um, and the way that her character transformed over the, the last season of discovery was just mm. uh please give michelle yo all of the awards that exist 
and I've, I've been fortunate enough to talk to um, all of the LGBTQ members of the Star Trek Discovery show. I saw your picture with Anthony. I, I kind of fangirled a little bit over your picture of Anthony Rapp because I was like, so oh my God. Oh my God. Can I just I say her. that I, because I'm a Gen Xer, I saw Anthony Rapp in the original production of Rent. Oh, wow. On Broadway. And wow. I was like, I've been a fan of his since that, like for decades. And I saw that. And when I saw that he was in Discovery, I was like, he's so good. I've loved him since Adventures of Babysitting. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. I forgot he was in that. Yeah. Okay. I'm Gen X too, and we're digging deep. Right yeah, we are now. digging deep. He's so lovely. And all of them say to a person, they say, it's like being around royalty, except that she doesn't make you feel like that. And you look at that woman and you say, oh, she's petite. And then she's going to kick your ass. <laughs> Pretty she, much. He had so many opportunities to use those skills on the set that I just love everything. I'm sorry to see her go in last season, but maybe we'll see her again at section 31 or something else. Oh, this I love it. Such a blast. I tell you, um, like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is one of my favorite movies. Oh, and the, just um, the very, it was the very first, and I know that um, like martial arts films have been sort of breaking these barriers over the last several decades, but it was the first time I in a mainstream setting had ever seen two women um, execute the most amazing martial arts scene. And it just, you know what, it, what's interesting is that it reminded me of roller derby in a way, because women's roller derby is this highly athletic endeavor, but it's just executed differently when it comes from the mind, uh, from the heart of women. It's just, it, it, it is a different, it's a different, experience uh not necessarily better or worse but just it, it really it felt so authentic to me and i was excited about it all right i'm a writer so i'm going to give you something oh boy Roller derby is kung fu on wheels <laughs> <laughs> it sometimes feels there's a lot way. to no there's a lot to but there's a lot to say about that because there is a lot of choreography going there is a certain there's a choreography going on there's a strategy to roller derby when you really watch it and you really take it apart. Cause I remember I, uh, I remember actually I was talking to Juniper about it and Juniper was breaking down strategy <laughs> on the track. Well, and Juniper also was, skates uh, for the number one team in the world. So there's some inside information there probably. <laughs> no, but watching, for example, one thing I did while I was doing that story last October, I literally downloaded every word, like, two years of world of world finals matches i'm talking the big world final all the all the preliminary matches leading up to it and just watch them and just watch them and i and what i saw was like there's a high level of sophistication it isn't some one person once called it wrestling on wheels not even close this is there's a lot of sophistication involved there's a lot of x's and o's involved there's a lot of matters of matchup. And oh, by the way, Michelle, Michelle Yo, yes. To me, I thought she was the best Bond girl ever because oh, yeah. Yeah. she completely changed that entire image of a Bond girl. And on the other side, going more towards the more recent end, I loved her in Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, she was great. I loved her in it. Awesome. 
she's because awesome. she's so good. Yeah. Yes. She re- actually she reminded me of my mom. Oh. No one's good enough. Oh. You no one's good. It's like it wasn't that you're not good enough, is that no one is. Mm. And she really exudes there's a class that she exudes on the on that screen and it comes out. And there are very few there are very few thespians in general who exude that. Well, let's see if we that can get Michelle is, to join yeah, us on you the show. Don't. How about that? Um, if, you if you do that, Michelle Yo, then I need to join you. Okay. <laughs> well, well, see, that, that's that. That's two we'll people. We we need we need Mich- and actually there's three. We need Michelle. We need Michael Burnham. We need we need oh, Michelle. Yes. We need well, our name we is need Sneakwa Martin Green. Yes. Yeah, we need oh yeah, you need you need Sneakwa. You need and you need Tilly. Oh, uh, Mary Wiseman. Mary Wiseman is so good. When I, when I interviewed Mary Wiseman, we were like sisters laughing and crying at the same time. We were quoting poetry, and it was probably the most fabulous interview I've ever done with anyone where I felt this connection almost like mm-hmm. I feel with you. Almost. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> this but you see, Dawn is getting. That's one thing. Dawn's been getting all these great Trek interviews, and they have been awesome. Well, you know, so, if you spend a $20 bill in an envelope and you mail it, it works. Right. Erica, <laughs> Erica Vanstone, the executive director of the Flat Track Derby Association, the Women's Flat Track Derby Association. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for Thank spending you. time with us. And these were just some of the greatest moments. Um, why don't we set coordinates, Carly, and beam her back to Philadelphia in one piece, please? Yeah, we're gonna beam you back, and we're gonna want you back. So okay, we're gonna want you back. Perhaps Promise. Promise. how about how perhaps how about transporter room live at the world fi- at a world final in some future year? Oh my goodness! And there's no let's COVID. Make it, let's make it. Happen. Yeah, COVID free. I love it. <laughs> and I want to be an announcer. So yes, I'm gonna beam you back. I'm gonna beam it. you back. Well, hey, great having you on the show. Energize. Erica Vanstone won't use the term I will. That's what allyship looks like. That's what an ally is. (laughs) And also a Star Trek fan. I mean, and Voyager, no less. So, no, Erica will always, uh, Erica will always, could always come over to my place. I'll make her a sandwich. Because she made crepes. She made crepes. But the listeners didn't get to see them, but we're on Zoom and she made crepes. She's a mom of two boys and has a husband and. I'll tell you, she's just the whole package. When we have cisgender allies who can juggle all the things she juggles and still stand up for us and make time for us, that's what I call an ally. That, but that's what allyship is all about. Yeah. Just, it's a, and it doesn't take, here, see, here's the thing. A lot of people think like allyship is this grand gesture. It's not. No. Allyship, in fact, it's the exact opposite. If you need my test of true allyship is, are you willing to speak out when there's no trans people in the room? It's 15 against one. And even if your voice is cracking, you will stand up to transphobia when you hear it. You will stand up to bias when you see it. At your own risk. That's the test right there. Yes, that's the test right there. Yeah, Yeah. you may may be putting yourself uh, in a precarious position by standing up for people like us. But- Remember that poem? They came for the the Catholics. They came for the Jews, and then they came for me, and there was nobody left to fight. Nobody left. 
Yeah. So we all have to fight each fight for each other. Carly, what are you going to do on this trans day of visibility to be visible? What's your what's your motive today? Actually, I am part of a program that's being done by the New Haven, that's being sponsored by the New Haven Pride Center and by the Elm City Dance Collective. I'm we're doing for the third time an exploration called Trans Bodies. It is an exploration of trans life through interpretive dance. Woo! And we've been working on this for the last month or so. And it's been a lot of intense workouts. We have our biggest crop of dancers ever for this thing. When the first the first time we did this was two years ago, and there was only one per there was only one dancer. Me. <laughs> there was me. And we ended up actually doing a beautiful show. Second time around was at Trans Day of Remembrance in 2019. And we had three. Now for TDOV in 2021, when it looks like we're coming out of COVID, um, we have nine this time wow. around. So wow. we tripled it. And we got a lot of great figures. And also, side side note, got shot number one last week. I'm Woo! pretty dang happy about that. <laughs> Which one did you get, Moderna or Pfizer? Moderna. It is the it's the Moderna vaccine. It was also part of a, but it's also part of something else I've been doing that will have me it. visible long it. after TDOV. Um, the way of the the State Board of Health in Connecticut is starting a campaign to deal directly with the problem of people who may be reluctant to get the vaccine, especially in black and brown communities. Big problem. So they're making it so they're making it a priority to to center messages to those communities. So part of it was building a set of PSAs. So so they I was asked by someone who is a PR person for Stanford Hospital, hey, through a friend, through a mutual friend, can you hey, we we could really use your voice for these PSAs. I was like you get me you get me vaccinated i'll do it done <laughs> so i got vaccinated and then after that i got whisked to a sound studio and i did a group of psas they took a bunch of pictures and now i'm going to be on bus benches and buses and i'm going to be on i'm even they tell me that the psa will even play on the video some of the stuff will play on the video monitors of the of the trains coming in of like the ct rail and the metro north trains too so a lot of people be seeing me seeing this face with a mask on and hearing my voices talk about it's time to take your shot, Connecticut. Vaccination centers are open across the state. Get registered, get vaccinated, and help protect the communities in the state that we call home. Carly Rona Chardonnay Webb. Look at that. <laughs> Carly Rona. You, no, that's wonderful. I think that's fantastic because, I mean, for people who don't know, the reason there's reluctance isn't just because of distrust, it's because of history. There were experiments done in the last century on people of color, of black Americans, brown Americans, and using them to, as guinea pigs before they would give vaccines that could be dangerous to white people. And that kind of history would definitely cause pause and I think it's justified. So I'm very proud of you, Carly, for going out there and spreading the message that as far as we can tell, the vaccines are safe, they're effective, and more than anything, they're necessary. We need to be vaccinated. Right now, right now it, needs, it needs to be done, but also we need to be vaccinated against transphobia because that is the other public health issue. The, these bills are in 29, and that's, and that's the other part of being visible is 
every place I can, every place I can speak out, I'm going to speak out because people need to understand the, what the stakes are. So, Carly, in addition to being visible today, your byline's visible on Outsports.com. Wrote an op-ed just on my feelings, and my feelings as we head into this Trans Day of Visibility. They are very, they're very mixed and they're very conflicted. On one side, on one side, I'm very, I'm angry because of what we're seeing in Tennessee, Arkansas, Mississippi, Montana, Texas, Arizona, Connecticut. Even there are two of these type of bills that are being put up here. I, but at the same time, some joy, because um, as we speak right now. You have a transgender woman at the top of her game fighting to help her team win a champ, win a professional championship right now. You have the you have kids that are that are going to be taking the fields this spring. We hope uh, we had a kid who fought for his right to play and fought to change a policy in his league, and today that league announced that that policy was changing in full and they were taking the full breadth of policy recommendations that this kid and his parents were suggesting to them. Go Bobby Jones. That's Bobby Jones that the league, they announced that today. So I'm very, very, I'm hopeful, but I'm also very upset, but I'm also frustrated because it just seems like in the middle of all this, where does my humanity fall into play for these people? Am I human to these people who write these laws? Am I human to these people who get sucked into this hysteria? Like, I, I'm tired of the whole Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla mentality that comes out, especially when you're talking about trans people in sports. It's, it's the transgenders and humans. Yeah, That's the way they're trying to paint it. And to me, it's a slap. And to me, not only being trans, but also being black and knowing that history, it's a double slap in the face. Yeah. And that's the one thing that people have to understand. You're talking about people here and you're talking about hum human beings here. And one thing people must understand is the first way to try to dispose of people is take the humanity away. And that's what it looks like here mm -hmm. to me. And Caitlin we have Burns to be on guard me, for that. Caitlin Burns told me that she fears a cascade effect that once states are able to enshrine in the law that trans women in sports are not women, then what's next? That we're not women everywhere else? It's frightening. I, I'm, I'm really excited um, to share your op-ed and I hope everyone goes to outsports.com and reads it. And when you talk about on one hand, the sport, the the bills that have to do with trans transgender student athletes playing scholastic and collegiate sport—that's one thing. But the more insidious thing is criminalizing affirming healthcare, mm -hmm. because to me that affects all our healthcare. That sets a dangerous precedent for trans people and for cis people. That sets a precedent that we can use healthcare as a weapon against any community as we see fit. And that and and given what you're seeing right now as far as voter suppression, that ought to give you pause. That yeah. ought to give every American pause because this goes against the fundamental precepts of which this nation was founded. 
it's like I said in that article on Friday, the constitution itself is at stake here. They are shredding the constitution. The 14th amendment protects us, equal protection under the law, but that's not what they're doing in Georgia, in Arkansas, Tennessee, Mississippi, Idaho, and Texas is next and South Dakota and all these other places. Carly, I have to say, the best thing we can do is continue to be visible. What I'll be doing today is I'll be doing a TikTok. Uh, I invite you to TikTok with me. You can dance, I can't, but <laughs> it's important for people like us to be visible for those who won't, for those who can't, those who need to see the guiding light. And for people to understand being trans is just one way of being. For me, yes. for you, it's the only way to be. But being different is the most American thing we could do. Yes. So, so what? Exactly. And also so different. I'm a woman. I'm not a different kind of woman. You're a woman. You're not the same kind of woman I am. You're not the same kind of woman your mother was or anyone else in the entire female species. None of us are the same. And that's great. Also, be visible for those who are just coming forward. Yes, we also need that. Be visible for the and let and let that and let that new person who yes, let that newbie who's coming who's coming into their own know that we're here for you and we're here to walk with you through this. If you want us here, we're here for you because we've been we've been there, and well, we know we can and together we can make it. It's been another fun adventure, a two-part transporter room. We split the ship in half, like on Voyager, where we had two Voyagers, and we have to put them back together again. So, um, uh, Ensign Kim, come through the, uh, the Jeffrey's tube and join us. Well, Don, next week, we've got Justin Gibson on the show. Now, Justin Gibson is a kinesthesiologist, an athletic trainer, a former powerlifter, and... He's got his own YouTube channel where he talks about a lot of these issues from a scientific point of view. And most recently, he took a certain well-known turf and a certain researcher that works with turfs to task over their research and did quite a dissertation on it. So we're going to have him on next week so we can talk about what he found and what it means. SJW debates. And okay. Yes, it is. SJW debates, and he likes to debate and Angel's wins dad, a lot Angel's of science them. Science lad. He has so many names. Yeah. I can't. I look forward to this. And I want to give one more shout out. We are able to um, get our guest today, Erica Vanstone, because Carly interviewed Erica for Outsports, and because I heard the Ladies Room podcast with Jane McManus and Julie DeCaro. So a big shout out to those ladies for introducing me to Erica. And talking always about what people like Jane and Julie and Erica can do to support people like us. I'm so grateful to the ladies room for spreading the message of trans visibility. That's what it, like you always said, Dawn, that's what it takes. That's what it takes. We can, we, when we all pull together, we can win. And now's the time when we must win. Carly, steady she goes. Live long and prosper. We'll see you all next week. And to all my trans people out there, we see you. We love you. We're all we got. We're all we need.
We're here. See you next week. We're here. We're trans. We're not going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, we aren't. <laughs> Love you, Carly. Take care. Love you, too.